I, I wanted to start with this interesting story or, or phenomenon. Army ants, they build these very well self-organized structures within their colony, right? And so they all have kind of this collective intention and purpose and, and they all work together for the good of the whole colony. And as the leaders of the colony guide and direct that, all the ants just follow the ant in front of them and they got this wonderful systemic routine that they do. And they just follow each other and everything goes really, really good until one of the ants deviates and, and takes off on its own. Now, of course, what happens with that is all the ants that are behind that ant follow it. And when they go too far away from the main group, and think of the main group like a tribe or a community that's working together. When they go off, they get separated from the main group that's foraging. They lose the ability to smell and align with the pheromone, and then they follow each other out, but then they lose their sense of direction. And so they basically are living without a sense of real purpose, but they're like, committed to working and trying to work to make things happen, but now they have no real sense of direction. And so they go into those circles and that circle, they'll stay engaged in and will keep on doing that for hours and hours and hours until they actually become physically exhausted and die. And that's why they call it a death spiral. Well, when I read that, it really made me think about that from a metaphorical standpoint around the whole concept of the death spiral of addiction. One of the things I was asked to do is to address from a public health and, and prevalence standpoint, uh, three specific drugs that we continue to struggle with in all communities, but in particularly uh, the Native American community. And that's around opioids and opiates course, uh, methamphetamine or, or stimulants, and then alcohol. Most of the public health statistics don't typically delineate the difference between opiates and opioids. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. I know we did this last year, where opiates are typically just the chemical compounds that are extracted from natural plants, right? The uh, poppy sap or, or the fibers of the, the plant. And that's where you get opiomorphine coating and heroin from. Uh, it's the synthetics that become the real problem in most communities. Those are referred to as opioids, right? And that's so, synthetics just basically means they're made in a lab. So they're man-made and, and hydrocodone, hydromorphine uh, and oxycodone. And we're more familiar with, of course, the Vicodin and Dilaudin and Oxycontin and Percocet. Uh, so those are the main drugs that are really infiltrating the populations. The, the interesting thing about opioid or narcotics is, man, the prevalence rates are so high. When you start seeing that 130 people die every day from opioid overdoses, and that Americans are more likely to die from opioid overdose than car accident, it is a huge problem. And it's a problem, of course, that transcends any culture, any age group, economic status. Heroin and fentanyl account for most of the overdoses. So fentanyl is, is extremely, extremely powerful. And you're starting to actually see a lot more fentanyl laced in other drugs. We'll talk about that as it relates to uh, meth. But 46% of, of the deaths are related to fent fentanyl and other synthetics. 
where prescribed opioids and heroin account for the percentages that we're talking about there. So when you start looking at the rate, and this was just the 16 years uh, from 2000 to 2016, you can see from that graphic kind of what happened back in 1999 and how you kind of had this steady use. And then over the last five years into the teens, how quickly and rapidly synthetic opioids and, and methadone are being abused and relating to deaths. Dr. Neural Volkow in a conference, just actually only two months ago, she said, it's chilling to realize that the risk of dying from methamphetamine overdose is 12-fold higher among American Indians and Alaska Natives than any other group. So, I, you know, as you look at the, the most current research, the, the meth infiltration and the way it's being used and some of the lacing in of other drugs continues to be a real concern, right? More deaths than ever involve drug combinations. And what's typically happening with um, meth is that drug dealers are lacing it with fentanyl and heroin. And if someone's not been exposed to that and they haven't developed any kind of tolerance, of course, you start getting a high dose of that. And then you go into respiratory failure and you see those overdoses. So that continues to be a real concern and a real problem. Meth, of course, is referred to as speed and, and meth or chalk, uh, just through normal consumption. And then when it comes to smoking, it's referred to as ice crystal and crank and glass. One of the things that you see is meth is actually fairly cheap. It's easy to use. And, and here I think is one of the prevalence rates uh, biggest issues and that is is it lasts a lot longer the high dose 12 12 hours compared to one to two hours with heroin so when you're looking for you know the bang for the buck um meth seems to to give you a higher return on your investment than some of the other drugs and that's what would lead to some of that prevalence rates of course some of the symptoms and the effects of that is, is it gives people a, a feeling or a sense that they have bugs underneath their skin. It's like it's a crawling effect and they're being bitten and eaten by the bugs. And so they start slicing or scratching at themselves. And that's where that picking and scratching away comes and you start getting those scars on their face and in, in different parts of their body. One of the things that I read as I was studying for, th for this is that um, a lot of the Mexican drug cartel are actually target tribes because they favor the remoteness and the decrease in police surveillance. And so they're able to go into tribes and create these meth labs and actually both make the meth and distribute the meth and it's easier for them to get away with. So when we start talking about meth, tell me your thoughts around uh, that issue in the in the community, are you seeing that? Is that something that that you guys are, are are particularly making efforts to try to combat on a community level? And and how well is that working? I think in our community, there's a big push as far as uh, uh, more wellness and uh, awareness. Uh, not as much negative awareness of of meth, but more uh, awareness of uh, what wellness is. And research actually supports that. So I love that, Marcus. The challenge with addiction 
is that while it may be symptomatic of certainly greater issues, once someone has the disease of addiction, there are definitely biological realities related to addiction. And so you really have to treat both. Uh, it, it, it isn't an either or. You now have to treat and manage a disease from a purely biological standpoint. That which compels or draws one to use is, is done in an effort to heal or actually in an effort to, to create meaning or to what one feels to, by, by the use of those things, it will enhance one's capacity or ability to do things. And even though neither one of those solutions uh, have sustainability, I've never really viewed a person's use. No one starts using a mood altering substance with the knowledge or the intent or the belief that it's gonna lead them to be an addict. So here's the most, this is the part that I was very excited to get to and, and I, a very much a part of the discussion that I wanna make sure that we cultivate and nurture. And that's the treatment side. And again, think of this not so much, I think as downstream treatment, although certainly it has relevancy to that, but upstream, uh, upstream prevention as well. Something that, that Marcus, you've already emphasized. But when we start looking at treatment, and, and the use of Native American rituals and frameworks, I really get a sense as I went into, again, to the uh, Eastern Shoshone Recovery Program website and looked through the website. I, I love, I just love what you guys have there and what you're representing. And I think you do this in a profound and powerful way. So I really like to just continue to nurture this discussion that this treatment is really focusing around this concept of walking in balance. Is that fair to say? And I, can you guys share with me what the, the overall general sentiment is around the 12 step program and the way that's adapted into uh, a cultural framework? Talk, talk to me about the, the adaptation that, that you guys use in your community around the 12 step. And if you feel like that's or is 12-step even really widely being used? This is Kelly. Again, Corey, that Well Brady book, um, Don Coyus is the one who developed that book. And so yeah. he put the 12 steps in the medicine wheel. So he has the first um, first steps facing the east, and then they go um, yeah. around the circle and end up in the north again. But he sets those in there in the medicine wheel. And what he also does, which I think is sort of brilliant on his part, is he changes some of the language. Because the language is really important, I think, in those. And they're very important when my experience has been, they're very important when we look at in the medicine wheel, because um, for example, he talks about strengths and weaknesses as opposed to moral inventory. And I know for myself, when I, when I started in my own recovery and looked at the 12 steps, two words that were really, a few words that were difficult for me to overcome in my thinking was powerlessness. And I had to really examine how that, how that sentence was structured, that I'm not powerless. I don't have, I'm not powerless, but I am powerless when alcohol is involved. So I, I looked at that and then more inventory. <clears throat> I grew up Catholic. So a moral inventory really 
soured me. <laughs> so, um, that when he, when Koyas put it into a perspective of strength and weaknesses, it clicked for me. So I think part of the importance of our recovery program here and recovery in general or getting well is about what language we use in that. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I've just begun um, to really examine and be mindful of, of the language that we use for people because it can either stall them out or it can um, help move them forward. That's also why I think it's so important to be sensitive to traditions and community and history of, of people. It's absolutely critical, especially around the traditional form of 12 step. Was there other thoughts that people wanted to bring up around this conversation? I, I think um, there were some yeah, questions. my name is Gwenda. And so one of the, um, one of the things that I'm doing in the um, medicine or using the medicine wheel as an adaptation also uh -huh. is for, it's for mental health, but it's creating that balance, that wholeness, um, finding that strength and courage within yourself um, within the beliefs that you have. Um, and one of the things that we're really hitting hard is on um, like the different organs in the body that, you know, how you experience stress, anxiety, depression, and how can we find a way to create balance with some of the foods we eat, with some of the herbs that we have? Um, so right now in the in the um, on the online group, what we're doing is we're using the medicine wheel, and in like mental health, we're going with brain health. What are some of the foods, some of the herbs, or even some of the seasonings, and how we cook our food that can help reduce the stress and anxiety and depression? How can we balance being the right foods also? Mm -hmm. So you know. We're using that physical, the mental health part, you know, for the brain health, the physical part, like for heart, um, um, lung health, um, gut health. So, you know, kind of, you know, I know we're going back a little bit here, but even with that alignment of the chakras is how, do, how does that alignment in yep. the body? Yep. What's out of yep. balance in the different um, areas in the body? So kind of just keeping that same idea it's that center you know what are those beliefs how do you keep that center balanced and focused and so we've been talking a lot about um that 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 inside the body that we can't see but how do we take care of it because we're experiencing these different symptoms that are causing um health problems mental health and so that's how we're gonna start adapting the medicine wheel and those 12 steps is recognizing, first of all, that maybe we even have um, a, an addiction to food, you know, an addiction to just unhealthy relationships. How do we create that balance? What inside of us can we change through healthy diet, through healthy thinking? And so that's one way that we're now, it's kind of new, like I said, so we're, I'm putting these thoughts together and I'm going to be working with um, everybody here so that this that we can roll this out onto our website actually and have our women that are coming into the online group that they have a place to go and link to those different um, like the brain health 
you know, what are some of the vitamins that help with stress, anxiety? What's some of the, how can I cook? How can I have a meal plan that helps that also? And then the link, they can just link to those recipes and different things like that. So anyway, that's kind of where, what I'm kind of uh, hoping to use medicine will also with. I love that. The, uh, you, you are literally building on some of the most cutting edge research right now that I, really speaks to, I mean, you use some specific words at the very beginning of that share that were very important. And one of them was courage. Absolutely. Courage comes from the root word core, which means to be true to your heart or to tell your heart story. And it, it's very difficult for us to do that. Sometimes we're so externally driven and driven by what external things reflect back to us to to come back to the root of our authentic self and what that means within a community and uh, a history and having that sense of belonging and profoundly what we're finding is is that thought what we think when you start looking at believings what believings or beliefs or or um, what we believe your, your belief and your expectations and your attitudes have such a profound influence in the way you look at, perceive, and what you will get out of life to the point that the research shows that literally the way we think creates very specific neural pathways, which then messages our DNA and up or down regulates our DNA. So DNA can be expressed in multiple ways. And when you start talking about brain health, and what we think and the way we message the parts of our body, it literally can either promote and strengthen health and well-being in a most abundant, beautiful, powerful way, or actually create disease states. So you even look at some of the research around post-traumatic stress, there's a whole other area that's called post-traumatic growth. And so depending upon the way you think, look at and assign meaning to things that are difficult or hard or they're threatening, challenging, what is meaningful to you, which is stress, how you effectively cope with that becomes, it almost bifurcates, you almost, depending upon the way you cope, it either leads to health and wellness or, or disease, right? And that's what we're talking about around these use of Native American rituals and frameworks. So at Eastern Shoshone Recovery, are, are you really happy with the way that you are drawing upon and integrating these rituals and frameworks in your treatment? It's, it's really good, you know, I, I really, I'm encouraged and I really, I like what I'm, what I'm seeing, you know, it's, it's uh, energizing, you know, to see a program that's doing good things. Um, can you identify some areas that you think that there's an opportunity to grow as it relates to the context of what we're talking about? I think we have to put our minds together and uh, brainstorm and um, come up with come up with ways to 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 do as much as we can. You know, um, I'm not saying we're not doing enough. I'm just saying part of my approach to things is we can always do better you know how can we how can we do better how can we make it better how can we make it more street but i agree i i'm of the same mindset and i think that's what compels one to 
continue to make a wonderful contribution. Are there any, is there anyone else that would like to speak to this? Yeah, this is Kelly. I think I agree with them that remaining stagnant or sitting on our laurels is not something that we can afford to do. Um, and, uh, and because we, the reality of it, even the work we do and the, and the improvements we make and the goals that we have for our program, our staff and our people, we still have people dying. So that's a reality. So we do need to sure. continue to, um, but yeah, like John said, to, to sit stagnant or say, this is enough is not what we can do because we can't afford that because we have still too many people dying from this these diseases yeah the very the very heart of growth and healing is change and, and to stay in front of that you always have to be looking of course the common phrase is change comes from within the individual the family and the community uh, never just one of them but all three are are working together so when you start looking at the significance of creating what's referred to as a recovery oriented system of care within a community. The community, basically the collaborative attitudes and policies and resources, when they work in a united way and are driven with a particular objective, these are the four things that we seem to find that the research really says the community has the power to do. And it, it, it really, and I love the general consensus of the of the things that have been shared today are these four things. I mean, you're really reducing the stigma around addiction or abuse and treatment and getting better and healing and being whole, gaining visibility and, and diversity of a lot of people who are who have experienced recovery. And now are living beautiful, powerful, wonderful lives that are, are contributing to the community and, and making things better. You can identify that there's this whole continuum of care and regardless the continuum of care, of course, the power of people knowing that is, is that despite where you're at in your life and in your use or your recovery, you have the ability to tap in somewhere along that continuum to people who you know who love you and care about you and who'll be able to support you to move past that challenge and get to the place that you want. And then once you're on that course, that you can sustain that and have support, not just around recovery, but support to build the life that you want that's filled with meaning and balance. Um, and I know our time is up. Are there any wrap up thoughts? Kelly, do you have anything you'd like to say around that recovery oriented systems of care with around community attitudes and policies and resources? The thing that comes to mind, everything old is new again, because once again, those are whole core values, right? It was always about what was important for the community. And it also, um, you know, what's important for the individual is important for the community and vice versa. What's, what's good for the community is obviously good for every one of us. So that, that, that is what sustains us. So, um, I think, um, just every that's a good reminder though that um recovery oriented system of care a good reminder that that's what our that's what our purpose is and and we're fulfilling those um in some aspects and then improvement in others that need it so that's cool um, i definitely appreciate the presentation today i'm looking forward 
to the series for sure. Thank okay. you. Any, any thoughts or questions before we wrap things up? Thank you so much, Kelly. Um, I will work with Fiona on getting, I was thinking maybe just um, the, the titles of the next five presentations so we can put those in with the um, flyer so um, everybody will know what you're talking about. So thank you so much, Corey, for doing this today. What a privilege. Thank you so much, everybody, for letting me be a part of this. Thank you. Okay, you bet. Take care. Have a great day.